This is the She Runs the Show podcast with Cassandra Vaughn. We are finally at episode number 100 of the solo series. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 100 of She Runs the Show. We are at 100 episodes. Let me just sit here for a minute. You know, I think I am definitely the kind of person that has in the past really, I get to a certain point of achievement or something good happens and I might bask in it for a second, but then I go, okay, that's fine. Another book's produced or published. Another thing is done. What's next? What's the next mountain to climb? And I think You've got to really take time to celebrate the victories of life. I remember when the idea of the She Runs the Show podcast was just a a thought, a consideration. And way back when, a few years ago, I was in a, a Lewis House program called SOGA, School of Greatness Academy. And through some of the modules I was training, I, I learned from the best about podcasting and the possibility of podcasting. And that had been something I'd always wanted to do, but I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what were the steps and and how to get it up there. And and true enough, I'm still trying to figure out how to change my picture and the last name on that picture on my iTunes podcast right now, because it still shows an old last name. But nonetheless, it was being in Soga that sparked me to learn podcasting and to learn how to do this podcast and how to do it well. So I just want to sit for a second in the fact that for those of you who've been listening to this show since episode number one, which was a long time ago, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for hanging in there in the seasons when I was super inconsistent. You know, I I preach consistency. Consistency is king. And there have been times with this podcast, especially where I've been so caught up in writing books or developing programs or coaching clients that I've lost focus on one of the things in my business that I absolutely love to do, which is this podcast. So I'm basking in the concept that we're at a hundred episodes and I see a thousand more at least coming. And I'm basking in the, the knowledge that I'm getting way more consistent with delivering you great. She runs the show podcast episodes. And there's some interviews in January that literally, cause I've already recorded them and I've experienced them are going to knock your socks off. So I just want to say thank you to all those who are listening because it is because of your your support. At times people have have, you know, pinged me on Instagram and said, "Hey, I miss your podcast. When is it coming back?" Those moments, those those communications, they have always kept me grounded and focused and they brought me back in times when I wasn't grounded and focused on the podcast. So I'm grateful that we're at 100 episodes. I'm thankful for each and every one of you who listen. Um, you inspire me to produce these episodes. You inspire me to talk about the things that matter. You inspire me to believe even in moments when in my own life, it's hard to conceive the possibility. You inspire me to believe that yes, women entrepreneurs can have both. We can have businesses that thrive and relationships that rock and we can have them both at the same time. So thank you for that. And thank you for listening and being here and subscribing and, you know, leaving your reviews on iTunes and going to CassandraVaughn.com and following me on Instagram and pinging me when there's not another new episode out and saying, Hey, I like this. When is it coming back? Thank you for all of the encouragement and all of the love and all of the support. Know that I am ever grateful that you listen, that you download it, that you subscribe on iTunes, 
I can't thank you enough for all that you do to inspire me. And I hope that these episodes are inspiring you as well. So just wanted to bask in the victory and the glory and the grat and the gratitude, the appreciation for every person who listens to She Runs the Show, because it is an amazing gift that you spend 20, sometimes 40, if it's an interview, sometimes 60 minutes with me, just listening to the content of this podcast show. So thank you for that. So now we can get down to the episode. You know, I was not going to do this topic on this particular episode. I at first was going to do a totally different episode that looked back at the 100 episodes. But you know what? When the universe sends you messages, you ought to listen the first time the universe tells you what you need to do. And the universe sent me a message that I needed to, especially because this is right before Christmas. It's debuting I need to talk about something that it, that I am experiencing in my own life, and I actually have been most of this year, <clears throat> and I'm sure you might be experiencing your life, how to thrive through family drama. So let me just say this. There are some, there are some entrepreneurs out there who, who love to put their family, their children, their marriage, you know, their business out into the street, as I like to call it, and I think that's awesome. I think if part of your branding is, you know, you're a mom, you're a dad, you're a family man, you're a family woman, you run your business from home with your kids on your lap, if that's your branding, I say more power to you. But I want all of my listeners to know that my branding does not involve that for me. I'm a very private person. Most people don't believe that I'm super introverted, which, if, you know, if you ask my husband, he'd be like, yeah, she's she's an introvert when she wants to be, and I am. I believe that family life should be private. Uh, I'm a firm believer that I don't post on social media about what is going on in my house or my home or with my children. Um any other children that I have, you'll never really see pictures of them on any social media. It'll probably be on Facebook, but my personal Facebook account is so locked down in terms of privacy that only those who I want to have access have access. And I say all of that because, you know, some of you might be listening to the show and you might have listened for a long time and you say, well, man, I never hear Cassandra talk about, you know, her kids or or her husband or, or what's going on. It's because I believe that certain things are sacred and they're meant to be private. They're not meant to be shared. And so you will not see me talking more than some really basic stuff about my family. And I know there are other podcasters and entrepreneurs who talk about their family nonstop. I don't do that. That's not a part of my brand, nor do I want it to be because I believe that we should protect things that are sacred to us. And those sacred things have moments that are up and they have moments that are down and they have moments that are good and moments that are bad. And that's not something to publicize from my perspective. That's my take on how I deal with that in my own business. So in this episode, I want to talk about it because we all go through family drama. We've all had outs with people in our family. We've all had outs with different family members at different seasons. We've all had moments where there were confrontations and different issues and he said, she said, and all this kind of stuff. So I think especially because the holidays are coming up, you've got Christmas and New Year's. And of course, once it's 2018, you've got Valentine's Day and Easter. And, you know, there's always a holiday for which family need to get together. And if there's family drama, there's conflict and nonsense. And so I want to talk in this episode about How do you thrive through family drama? So in today's episode, we're going to talk about what a lot of us deal with during the holidays, 
family drama. And I'm not a person who loves drama, but it happens to all of us. So by the end of today's episode, you're going to learn, number one, the three types of family drama that tend to show up during the holidays. There are three specific types that tend to show up at whether it's Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, they tend to show up, especially during the holidays. By the end of today's episode, you're also going to learn how to keep your focus, your flow, and your momentum, even as you get emotionally blindsided by family members. This, by far, is going to be the most important part of today's conversation, because sometimes the family drama you're dealing with isn't just a, it happened on Thanksgiving kind of thing. It's a, it happened on Thanksgiving, and nine months later, we're still dealing with the drama, and I still have a business that needs to be run, and I still need to be whole whole and present. And I cannot have this drama impacting the success of my business, especially because it's not going away anytime soon. So we're going to talk about how do you keep your focus, your flow, and your momentum, even as you get emotionally blindsided. And then third, by the end of today's episode, you're going to learn how to develop your emotional fitness. You know, we talk about being physically fit. It's really important as an entrepreneur and as somebody who has real life issues with real life family members to develop your emotional fitness so that you can manage the drama at the same time that you're keeping the pace in your business. So (coughs) I don't know why I've got a cough, but I think I have a Hall's cough drop that is going to solve that for me in like five seconds. So excuse the rattling of the bag, but I have got an itchiness in my throat that does not want to leave. All right. That was just a commercial for Halls. They're not paying me, but I just gave them one. Okay. So the three types of family drama that tend to show up during the holidays. Number one, betrayal. Number two type of family drama that tends to show up during the holidays, confrontation. Ooh, I mean, I just think of Tyler Perry's movies and I just go, yeah, confrontation. Number three, manipulation. So the three types of family drama that tend to show up, especially like at Thanksgiving, 4th of July, Christmas, New Year's, betrayal, confrontation, and manipulation. Now let's talk about each of those three so you know what the difference are. So betrayal, here's what's interesting. When I was a pre-divorce strategist way back when, we're talking 2007, 2008, one of the statistics that I found so interesting was that the highest, okay, so number one, the highest rate of divorce happens in January. January is the highest month in which people file for divorce. And the research shows that the reason why it's January is because people do their best to try to get through the holidays intact or together. I won't even say intact because it's definitely not intact. And then as soon as the new year starts, as soon as those major family holidays are over, they're like, yeah, I'm taking the mask off. I'm done with you. Bye. So January is the highest month for filing of divorce. And in terms of filing of divorce, it's so funny that in the media and movies, they portray it like the man is the one who leaves the the wife and the kids. Actually, the research shows the opposite. By all statistics, women end end marriages at way higher rates than men do. They're the ones that end it. They're the ones that say I'm done. They're the ones that say I'm finished. Now, why am I telling you that? Because the first type of family drama that tends to show up during the holidays is betrayal whether it's a betrayal of your trust, a betrayal of your confidence, or betrayal of your relationship. So it could be anything from uh, you find out that your sister was gossiping about your marriage to your brother, and then it wasn't even your brother who told you, it was your half-sister who overheard the conversation, told you, and now you're on the outs with your brother and your sister, and your half-sister is in the middle. Do you get how Jerry Springer-ish that can become really fast? Yeah. 
So what am I saying by all, saying all of that? Whenever, for whatever reason during the holidays, people tend to want to reveal secrets and betrayals. Um, there can be a real eye opener about the betrayal of your trust or your confidence, gossip, relation. It, it happens. And I don't even know why it happens during the holidays, but betrayal tends to be uncovered a lot of the times during holidays. And so you might be asking if I just found out about this whole shenanigans with my brother, sister, half sister thing, or if it's a deeper betrayal, like I just found out that my spouse is cheating on me and I've got this business to run and I've got all of these things to do, <clears throat> or you just found out that somebody didn't tell you that you were adopted your whole life. And now all of a sudden you find out from somebody else and you're about to go to the Christmas party with the whole family. What do you do? How do you deal with a betrayal that, that's revealed or discussed during the holidays? Let me give you some tips because you want to keep your sanity and your peace and you still want to deal with the issue and you want to make sure your business stays intact while you're dealing with the issue. So here's how to deal with a betrayal revealed or discussed um, during the holidays. Number one, face the facts. I think that's the very first thing. When a betrayal happens, I think our go-to is to hope and to pretend that the betrayal did not occur. The first thing you have to do is face the facts, whatever those facts are at the time. Now, if you don't have the facts, well, then you you might need to look, do a little investigation. I wouldn't do it over Christmas dinner, but I would face whatever facts I have right now about the betrayal. I'd face them. So number one, face the facts. Number two, choose to postpone the processing of the truth until you can be in a quiet, safe space. So <clears throat> facing the facts is not the same thing as processing the truth. Facing the facts is saying, okay, I now know that my sister said this to my brother about my marriage. My half-sister overheard it, and she's telling me. But I'm not going to process all of that right now over Christmas dinner, because then I'm going to throw some food at somebody. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to face the fact that the things were said that were said, my trust was betrayed, but I'm going to postpone the processing of the truth until I can get grounded and get to a quiet, safe space and deal with that inside me first before I go confronting and talking to folks. Third thing you do when dealing with a betrayal that's revealed or discussed during the holidays is resist. I mean, this is a hard one. This is, this is tough. Resist the temptation to confront or lash out in public or family settings. Listen, if you knew the number of families that go Jerry Springer on Thanksgiving because somebody said one thing and then the person responded and the, uh, before you know it, it's just nonsense. It is just clear out of WWF or E or whatever it is. Resist it. Compl like anger not channeled properly will not get you what you want no matter how many times you scream and yell at somebody else. Resist the temptation to confront or lash out in public or family settings. There is a time and a place for every confrontation. That's not to say the confrontation doesn't need to happen. It just doesn't need to be over Christmas dinner. It doesn't need to be on New Year's Eve when the clock is striking 12 and everybody's under the mistletoe. Keep in mind that as much as you want to confront, there is a time and a place for that. Don't do it um, at Thanksgiving dinner. Okay. Here's the other thing. At the same time that you're not, that you need time to process, and at the same time that you're not going to have a confrontation over Thanksgiving dinner, don't fake relationship with the person who's betrayed you. 
don't don't go to the Christmas party and pretend like you didn't know that the other person betrayed your confidence or your trust. When you go to the Christmas party, choose to be around the people that you can trust and the people that you know you can trust and the people that make you feel good and the people that lift your spirits and detach from the betrayer. Now, if the betrayer is one of those kinds of betrayers, and we've got them, we've got lots of these kinds of betrayers who want to just be around you and pretend like everything's good and pretend like they never betrayed you. Well, then. A simple phrase, a simple sentence, a simple comment is going to nip that in the bud right then and there. They're pretending like you're family and everything's good and everything's wonderful. All you got to say to the betrayer is, you know what? For a very important reason that I don't want to discuss at this moment, I'm choosing not to interact with you today. I'm sure you'll respect that. And then you walk away. And then you walk away. And then if they come up to you and they want a, a confrontation, still, remember, it takes two to tango, two to fight. You don't have to engage. You just then say, well, then maybe I'm just going to leave the party. I'll deal with the people I love later in another venue, not here today. So don't fake the relationship. But here's the other thing that I, that I want to say about betrayal. You know, betrayal is probably one of the most hurtful things, but I saw something on Instagram this morning that was powerful. Let me just read it to you because I saw it on Instagram this morning and I just had to resend it and drop the mic on it. And I just, yeah, I just really had to talk about it. So in on Instagram, I saw somebody post, and I actually posted this, so I'm going to read you what the saying is and then what I posted on Instagram. I saw this this morning, and it was so profound to me. It said, it was the betrayal that blessed me. Let me say that again. It was the betrayal that blessed me. And this is what I, this is what I wrote on Instagram. I saw this on Instagram this morning and had to repost. Why? Because every betrayal blesses you. Think about it. Without the betrayal of his brothers, Joseph would never have become the right-hand man to the Pharaoh so he could later save his family from starvation. Without Judas, there would have been no crucifixion and no resurrection. As painful as the betrayals may have been, every person who betrayed you taught you, directed you, and propelled you to take actions in the direction of your best life that you never would have made with as much force or power as you do now. The betrayals teach you self-trust. They show you how and when to set boundaries. They make you a master at taking care of yourself. Forget about the idea of never being betrayed. Remember that you're strong enough to overcome any betrayal that arrives in your life. Those who betray become very clear to those who know how to trust themselves. Jesus knew Judas would betray him. He didn't confront their betrayal. He leveraged it. Trust yourself completely and any betrayal will become the catalyst to your next great move. So it is and so shall it be. One final point. When life presents a situation where you can either be the Judas or act like Jesus, you know which one works better. Choose wisely. Now, you don't have to believe in Christianity to get what I'm saying here. The betrayal blesses you. That's what I want you to remember when you're at that Christmas party, or you're at that New Year's event, or you're at that Thanksgiving table, and somebody in your family who betrayed you is sitting right next to you, pretending like everything is just fine. The betrayal blessed me. It didn't hurt me. It didn't wound me. It didn't kill me, because obviously I'm alive and still here. However you betrayed me, it blessed me. Thank you.
Thank you to me for getting back up. Thank you to me for rising above the occasion. Thank you to me for not going Jerry Springer on your behind. The betrayal blessed me. That's the thought I want you to think when you're dealing with people at the Christmas dinner table. Second type of family drama that tends to show up during the holidays, confrontation. So I don't know what it is about people, but for whatever reason, in certain families, I'll say most families, because it really, you know, show me a functional family, I'll show you a family that's not real. But anyway, people tend to want to confront each other on the holidays, you know, like, January 1st, you're starting a brand new year, but you want to call me out on something you've been holding inside for 20 years? I can't get the hold a grudge for 20 years thing. Like, how are you going to step to me today on the first day of the new year and tell me that you've been pissed off at me for 25 years and you waited 25 years to tell me that you're mad? Yeah, I, I don't understand it, but people do it. So, for whatever reasons, family parties tend to be the place where people want to confront each other in public for the whole, like they want an arena. They want this to be gladiator, verbal gladiator. And so <clears throat> I really want you to think of the words of Max Lucado, who said it best. He said, conflict is inevitable, but combat is optional. And when somebody tries to pull you into a confrontation, whether it is verbal, physical, or otherwise, at the Christmas dinner table, you just need to say to yourself the words of Max Lucado, conflict is inevitable, but combat is optional. And I did not bring my sword and my gear and my face shield today because I am not fighting with you today. We're not doing that today. So combat is optional. Now, how do you deal when you get confronted during the holidays, whether it's a phone call, <clears throat> you know, a lot of us are keyboard warriors. So we want to confront and have a fight over group text. I'm just saying, like, have a phone call. Um, how do you deal with con confrontation during the holidays? Number one, remember that it takes two people to argue. Don't engage. If you don't engage, if you remove yourself from the situation, can't have an argument alone unless, well, unless there's two of you in there, in which case that's a whole other issue. We won't talk about that. So, don't engage in the confrontation itself. Let the person blow off all their steam and you don't even participate in that. Second thing you can do to deal with a confrontation during the holidays, if you have to engage, stick to the facts. You know why? Because you cannot argue opinions. If somebody is arguing with me about how they feel and what they feel and what they think, well, that's cute, but I'm not going to argue your perception of things. I'm not going to argue your opinion of things. It's a waste of time because you're entitled to feel the way you want to feel. You're entitled to perceive things the way you do. You're entitled to have your opinion, but opinion is not fact. So if you want to have a confrontation with me, bring the facts and we will confront each other about facts, but I will not debate you on opinions and perceptions. Waste of time, waste of energy. Don't do it. Talk about, stick to the facts, don't argue opinions, discuss behavior, not personality. Now, remember, when you're doing a confrontation, discuss the facts, like what actually happened, what actually occurred, not the person's motivations or their intent. Again, don't attack the personality. Don't attack the person. Discuss what happened. That keeps the conflict, you know, civil. Third thing you can do to deal with confrontation during the holidays Advocate for reducing the likelihood of confrontation by being situationally aware and heading off any heated discussions at the pass, meaning change the subject. Um, encourage those who are drinking too much to go home early so they don't lose their minds once they get drunk and say everything 
they don't have the courage to say when they're not, right? Keep the conversation light. Don't talk about stuff that you know is going to bring up resentments and bitterness and all that. Just keep the conversation light. That's what you do to deal with confrontations during the holidays. Now, here's the thing. At the end of the day, this is what you have to remember, especially if you get blindsided with a confrontation at the Thanksgiving table, at the Christmas dinner, at the New Year's Eve under the mistletoe. If you get blindsided with that sort of thing, remember that you don't have to attend every argument you're invited to. And and here's the other final point before we talk about manipulation that I want to say. If the conflict is rooted in jealousy, meaning if the conflict is rooted in people don't like to see you successful, and yes, it does happen in your own family. Yes, there are haters who might even live with you. I'm just saying. Uh, If you know the conflict is rooted in jealousy or bitterness or some sort of, well, why do you get that? Or why do you get to live like that? Remember the words of Dr. Steve Mariboli. He said it best. And this is talking about haters. He said, Don't worry about the haters. They are just angry because the truth you speak contradicts the lie they live. Can I say that again? Don't worry about the haters. They are just angry because the truth you speak contradicts the lie they live. You will never convince a hater not to hate your success. You will never convince somebody who's jealous of you to not be jealous of you. Just give all of that up now. Let them hate. Let them judge. Let them be jealous. Let them deplete their own energy, giving themselves internal poison with their negativity. Don't join their party. That's all I'm saying. Okay, third type of family drama that tends to show up in the holidays, manipulation. So, all right, so manipulation. So at the end of the day, we we have family members who love to, to play the victim story. Let me give you a few. There's the victim story. There's the martyr story. There's the savior story, right? Those are three pretty manipulative ways to to manipulate family members. Either I'm the victim and, and everything happens to me and woe is me and people treat me so bad and they take me for granted. That's the victim story. There's also the martyr story. The martyr story is I do everything for everybody else and I'm always helping them and nobody's ever there for me when I need them and I still continue to help them and I'm such a good person and I do so much for them and this is how I get treated. They're kind of one and the same if you think about it, but they're a little, they're slightly different in the scripting. So there's the martyr story. And then there's the savior story. There's the well, you better respect me because if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't be where you are. If I wasn't around, you wouldn't be able to survive. Uh, you wouldn't be able to make it without me. That is the Savior story. And I don't know about anybody else, but Christ already died on the cross for me. There is nothing that you are going to do for me that you need to be my Savior. Christ died so I could save myself. I'm just saying. Anyway, manipulation. So when you've got somebody in your family who's either telling the victim story, the martyr story, or the Savior story, And then they're recruiting other family members into the story. Here's the thing. That often leads to different family members choosing sides. And here's the thing about choosing sides. If you really pay attention to the workings of the inner workings of any family, including yours over the last 30 years, can I tell you the one common thing you're going to see in all of those picking side things? Every few years, people change sides. That's why you should never pick a side in a family battle because it doesn't matter. If you look over the last 25 years, everybody's been on somebody else, different side throughout the, so there's no loyalty to any one thing. It's like a, a fad, a phase. Don't pick sides. It burns everybody by doing that. So, but those who manipulate want 
family members to pick sides. They want them to align with one versus the other. They want them to have the Darth Vader mentality of absolutes. It's me or it's them. You choose. But you know what? Like they said in Star Wars, there are no absolutes. The moment somebody wants you to pick a side, you already know the agenda. Don't pick a side. So, if you find yourself dealing with a family member who is doing the the victim, the martyr story, or the savior story, and this is what they tell, here's how you deal with being around people who are manipulative around the holidays, right? Because in their manipulation, one, they got to make somebody the bad guy. Two, if they're asking you to side with them, it's going to be somebody that's not you. But just know that if you side with them, eventually you're going to become the bad guy. So you're going to be the odd man out. So how do you deal with manipulation during the holidays? Number one, you set clear boundaries about what you will and will not discuss at family gatherings. You know, I don't go to really any family gatherings anymore um, for many, many reasons. Most of my family is not in the state of Wyoming. And I choose not to go to family gatherings that I'm invited to because I believe that family should be family. So if I don't feel that way, then I'm not going to show up for something where I don't feel that way, right? Okay, got it. But if I were going to a family gathering, I would set really clear boundaries about what I will and will not discuss at that gathering. For example, I do not discuss my children on this podcast. I do not discuss them. It is a boundary. You'll never hear me talk at length about what I'm doing or not doing about them, with them, for them. You won't ever hear that. Period. Boundary. So number one, set clear boundaries about what you will and will not discuss at family gatherings. Number two, do not gossip about anyone, even if you know the other person is gossiping about you. I can't say that there is there is no bigger energy stealer to your happiness, your joy, your peace, your life, your success, your abundance, than to gossip about somebody else. Do not join people at family gatherings who want to gossip. It is a poison to your soul. Don't do it. Don't. Uh, number three, decide what gatherings you will and won't go to. And listen, here's the thing. Lots of people go to family gatherings that they don't even want to go to, where they barely know anybody just because they feel obligated to do it. A, nobody gets the benefit of your company if the only reason you showed up to the party was because you were obligated to. They don't even get the full you there. So they don't get to benefit. Two, you're resentful that you have to be there. So they get negative energy instead of the benefit of the real you. And then three, if you don't want to be there, why are you making yourself go there? This is called life. Free will people. Agency. You don't have to go anywhere you don't want to go. Because here's the thing. And maybe nobody's ever given you this permission. So if they haven't, I'm going to give you this permission right now. You are allowed to terminate toxic relationships. I don't care if they're blood related. I don't care if they're children. I don't care if they're parents. I really don't care if they are living in the house with you. You are allowed to terminate any relationship that is causing pain, bitterness, suffering, and toxicity in your life. You have my permission. You have your permission. You don't have to stay anywhere that you don't belong and you don't want to be. So, I say all of this to say that if you want to have a holiday season that is what you want, yes, you might have to deal with some family drama, but you can thrive through it. It doesn't have to be a horrible thing. You can still go to the party. You can still be at Thanksgiving dinner, but you don't have to have a confrontation. You don't have to gossip about people. You don't have to manipulate the situation by having listened to somebody's victim story and you're the bad guy in it. You don't do any of that. You don't have to attend any argument that you don't want to attend. So be mindful, 
be powerful, and make your choices about what is best for you. And if you go to those family parties and somebody tries to confront you, you just simply say, you know what? Not today. Not today. Maybe next week, maybe next month, or maybe never. But I will not have that confrontation happen at this table with you today. Thank you. Let's change the subject. And then if they still don't want to change the subject, here's what you do. You go, you know what? I can tell that you're looking for a fight. I am not the one for that. So either take that fight to somebody else. Or I'll be happy to leave this home and go have my wonderful dinner somewhere else. I'm even take myself out to a five-star restaurant in the city and you can be upset all by yourself. What would you like me to do? And then do that. See how it works? Okay. So she runs the show. I just, I want this for anybody who needs it. I know we all deal with family drama. At the end of the day, can I just say one final word about family drama? Separate the drama from the love. You know, Wayne Dyer used to say, we love the things we love for what they are. We love the things we love for what they are. Just because there's drama doesn't mean there's not love. Separate the drama from the love and love the things you love for what they are. Because there's still love there. All right, everybody. I will see you on the next episode of She Runs the Show.